Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. Man, what a good morning, right? The Lord is good. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, I just sense, and we've been, man, just believing together for really great expectation as a church, just coming in expecting God to move. And uh, I, I said this in first service, and I believe it's true in this service too, uh, that, man, as a church family, as we press into what God has, there, there's a sense of not only th- this being a safe place for that, right, to practice the way of Jesus Christ, to listen to the Holy Spirit, to be led, but also just that we would have these gracious hearts that, that lean into where the Lord is leading and trust Him and trust that however He leads is good. And man, it has been just an incredible couple weeks here at Banner. Amen? It has been amazing what God's doing, and I just want to honor you, church. You know, I, it's funny, as I've been talking to people about not only just turning the boat of the church into the current of the Holy Spirit, but really like flipping the whole ship into the current of the Holy Spirit, people are like, well, be careful, because, you know, people are, it's going to, you know, things are going to happen, they're going to be uncomfortable, they're not going to want, and I was like, man, I maybe I'm just unaware of what's happening in the church, which could be, I'm not, you know, I don't know everything, but I was like, man, the attitude of the church has just been, God, whatever you have, that's what we want. And uh, so I love that. I I just want to honor you as a church family. Thank you for being a part of that. I think God is honoring that, and God is calling us to great things. I think he's blowing the lid off of just vision for this church, of, of what he really wants to do. And we've been really expectant. It's been a season of expectation for us. My wife uh, is it, we are, I guess we are, but I'm just like watching it happen, right? She's doing the hard work. We are expecting our third child. Uh, so she's rocking the couches out. Yes. Cheer for her. I've essentially contributed very little uh, to this, but I am very excited. Our, our third child, our, our son, Loyal, we're excited for him. Uh, and he, his due date is the day I said day of, but I think it's the day after Easter. It's technically his due date. So if you want to know exactly how many days till Easter, I can tell you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a lot that's happening as a pastor. I wouldn't recommend stacking those things, but, you know, when the Lord moves, he moves, right? <laughs> uh, but we are really excited for Easter here. In fact, uh, would you just grab this? This should be on your seat next to you, some version of this. You might have a big one or a small one, a little business card one, I don't know. But grab this. This, uh, in the natural, this is a piece of paper that we print and you lose in your car. In the supernatural, this is a moment of transformation. Easter at Banner Church, we have been praying and fasting and believing for miracles. And we're launching a series on the miracles of God, the miracle-working God. The God who we know to this day still works and moves. And so we're going to believe, and we're going to step out in faith, and we're going to go all in for believing for God to move in miraculous ways. And so this card is an opportunity to engage with someone who needs God to move in a powerful way. This isn't for us. We're already family. This is for the, the person who is like an orphan in the world who does not know the miraculous power of God yet and is going to come and believe. It might be, be for you. You might be believing for a miracle. We're going to do that too. 
but it's this card is missional. It says, God, I'm believing for an opportunity and for boldness to believe in what you're going to do on Easter. And that's, that's literally only three weeks away. It is sprinting here. Sprinting. So we're going to believe together. We're going to have two services. It's going to be powerful. And so I did this in first service, but second service, I didn't ask you if you want to do the second service. But I'm going to invite up Sheila, my mom, who's our prayer director here. Thank you. And let's do this. Would you just hold this in your hand? In fact, just lift it up with me, and Sheila's going to pray, and we're going to pray opportunity together. Yes, thank you, Lord, that you let us be a part of your plan of reconciliation. So we pray as you move, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you would become evident throughout the valley, and that we thank you that we could be a part of that, and that you allow us to join in this work of reconciling people to you. So we pray that in your power we would move and that people would come to Easter services all over the valley. Thank you the fact that you, you are God who reconciles us to yourself. That in itself is a miracle. And so we accept that, that you've called us to salvation and to be reconciled. And we call many others on that your behalf as well, Lord God, and ask for many, many miracles to follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Don't we have some great leaders here at Banner Church? Aren't we blessed? Man, blessed. And I'm not just saying that because that's literally my mom, uh, but just blessed, <laughs> blessed, <laughs> blessed for the, the opportunity uh, for our prayer ministry. Man, God is moving to some cool things. I want to give you guys a little update about where we are uh, just locationally as a church. If you don't know, we've been working to sell this building uh, be because we believe for even more for mission and because though you have some room in here our children do not and as a church we feel called to intersect families right that as a place it's an epicenter of discipleship sending out into all of our city and the nation and the world we we need that space to begin to intersect families meaning like there's generation upon generation backward and forwards that we begin to speak life into with the power of the gospel and the whole Holy Spirit and see lives transformed and see families transformed and see cities transformed and nations transformed. Amen? And if you've never been in the back, there's not much back there. So we've been believing for a new space. So officially we have, we have sold and closed this building. Amen. Amen. And we are working on uh, a, a new space. And people have asked me, like, hey, how come you don't share this space or that space? And it's like, if you've ever, have you ever bought a house, you know, when you, like, look at things over and over, some people that fuels them, some people that really discourages them. So we seek the Lord with wisdom and clarity with our board. And then when we feel like, okay, this is really where, you know, the Lord is leading. Like, we, the mission's clear, but, you know, sometimes the building, right, you're still working on it. Then we'll bring that. We'll share all that. It'll be awesome. I know we have a team night coming up for everybody who serves or going to be sharing more details there, but um, but we'll, we'll share more of that. But right now, what we're doing is we're preparing as we look forward to to a building and to a location. Right now, we're preparing to be to be a portable church, meaning uh, set up and tear down in a portable location till our new location is finalized. Uh, if you've never been part of a portable church, for one, 
you know, even if we were allowed to stay here, we literally physically could not because of our kids' space. So our kids seems like, please, let's move now. <laughs> like, let's go now. I was even here for youth on Wednesday, and I was like, man, we need to go. He was like, this is a light Wednesday. I was like, well, thank goodness, because there's no room in here. Uh, but it, it, it's amazing what God is doing, and so we're going to have an incredible space. Your kids are going to have a blast. Our team is putting together some incredible kid spaces. They're going to get an upgrade being portable, which is wild. Um, but what I love about being uh, portable as a church is it prepares our hearts because it strips away any distractions. Because when you do church in like a school or, or so a location like that, it really has to be all about what God is speaking and doing. Because there's not the flash to steal away our eye. We're not there to just sit in a seat where they're to engage in what, what God's doing. So people have said, okay, what, what do we do kind of in this process? How do we engage, you know, beyond serving, beyond giving and being a part, you know, of the, of the necessary functions? And I just want to say, I, I want to invite you into a heart posture as a church. I, I've been a part of many church moves, and the, the churches that grab a hold of vision, that grab a hold of mission, that see God move are, are the people who take a heart posture and there's a couple heart postures we can take and move. We can take the, I hope I get what I need and want. That's one heart posture. But then there's another, what I consider a more fruitful heart posture, which is, God, whatever you want to do, I'm all in for. Like, I'm all in for however you want to move, how you want to speak, how you want to transform lives. I'm all in for that. And so I want to invite you, especially as we are in 40 days of prayer and fasting, to really engage with us and our team in that, of saying, God, we are just going to listen to your voice and follow your leading and your great plan and your great mission and your great vision and just see the fruit from that. Right? The fruit from God's plan is always greater than just the fruit from the, the plans of men. Amen? And so we're leaning in that. So I just invite you into that heart posture with us that says, God, wherever you lead, we're, we're, on, we're there for. We just want to go. We want to see you move. And uh, we're already seeing the fruit of that. And I think what the Lord is preparing in our hearts is so important for that season. Amen? What the Lord has done over the past couple weeks, I didn't even know, is preparing an expectation of what he wants and what he wants to do and the miracles he wants to bring and the lives he wants to transform. So we're really excited uh, you can pray for, for myself and my wife as we try to do that and have a child. Very thankful we have incredible pastors and we have an incredible team and an incredible board. Uh, but we will receive your prayers in that. Amen, Katie? Way back there on the couches. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, we're going to jump into it today, talking about I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, even as I talk about the building I know many of you might be in a, in a similar spot in your life where uh, God has spoken vision and mission and purpose, or you, you are feeling led by the Lord, but you don't fully see the fulfillment of, of everything, right? There's sometimes in our lives, there's a gap where, where we know the Word of God, we know His promises, but the reality of our current existence is like kind of not lining up with that. And it's in that space where we learn to trust in God, right? We have a choice. Will I trust that God is good? Will I trust that he's trustworthy? Will I trust that he's faithful? And importantly, right, will I trust that God is working even if I don't see it? Amen? Will I trust that God is working even if I don't see it? How many of you know that even if you don't see it, God's working? Which is amen. Hit me with it if you know. Amen? Amen? 
And so Jesus is going to speak to us here because he's speaking to the disciples, but John is an incredible writer. John is, uh, his gospel is absolutely incredible in my opinion because as he's writing, he's writing in the plural, so he's speaking to the group that is immediately there, but in the way that he words it in his language, it's so beautiful. He writes it kind of for, for all disciples. He's sharing what Christ is saying for the disciples, but all disciples. So if you're a believer in Christ today, you're a disciple, and that's really encouraging. Some scriptures you read, you're like, that's for Israel, right? We learn about God from it, but that's for sure for them, right? Uh, this is really beautiful because he's saying for disciples, but he's saying for all disciples. So if you're a disciple in here, say amen. Man, the Lord is good. So let's do this. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. I'm going to go back a little bit, if we can, into chapter 13. You're like, okay, come on, man. You just said 14. I'm going to go back into 13. Hold on. Back into 13. And uh, look at verse 36. And this comes right after Jesus has looked his disciples in the face and said, I'm going somewhere, and you cannot come there yet. Okay? Everyone with me? He looked his disciples in the face. He's like, listen, I'm about to leave y'all, and you can't come with me. And they're like, okay. And so Peter steps up and says something. Anybody have that friend or is that friend who just always has to say something? Right? Like, you can just count on them. Like, in, in school, that's a blessing because no one actually understood what the teacher meant. But you get that one kid in the back. They're either a leader or a class clown, depending on where they sit in the room. They're like, what do you mean? Right? <laughs> This is Peter. He says this. He goes, Simon Peter said to him, verse 36, 13, verse 36. He says, Lord, where are you going? Good question. Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. And then Peter said, is like, he's like, hold on, man. I make the rules. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. Whew. Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Okay, rough turn if you're Peter, right? Okay, let me set the stage here. So, you know, you've seen the painting of the Last Supper. The table didn't really look like that, but let's say it did. Right here is Jesus. He's doing his thing. At some point in the night, he says, I'm going to leave. But before he says that, somebody else leaves, and that's Judas. Judas gets up. He's convicted by the Lord. He gets up, and he runs out. And, and it says that some people think that he's just going to get more food because there really are two kinds of people in this world. There's realists, and then there's optimists. And the, the realist says, yeah, I knew that guy was no good, right? The optimist says, well, maybe he's going to get snacks. We don't know. But what we do know is that he left with all the money because he was in charge of the money. So just, I'm building the context of the room here. You're at the dinner, you're here. Now the money's gone. There's no more money, right? All of your money is gone. Some of you, that's more stressful in your life than you're agreeing to in this moment. All of your money's gone. That dude left. You don't know if he's trustworthy, but Jesus said something to him, and now he's not here anymore. That's stressful. But you're like, well, Peter has us because he's the rock, right? Something good's going to happen. He's going to lead us, and he'll take the beating for asking the dumb question that none of us are willing to ask, even though we want to ask. Someone's like, come on, Peter. Just You know you want to say something, Peter. So Peter's like, God, uh, wherever you're going, I'm also going to be going. And Jesus looks at this dude. Remember, you're another disciple, right? Like, Peter is 
is top tier. He's one of the three who were close to Jesus. So there's 12, there's three who were really close to him. He looks at him and says, no, dude, you're not going to die for me. You're going to deny me. Just eating in silence. Right? Have you ever been at the dinner table and someone scolds somebody else, right? It's like, that's fine. No, no, it's just, yeah, it's just, they were just upset. It's okay, right? They're just like eating, right? It's tense. That's all I'm trying to say. The dinner table setting is tense. And so when Jesus speaks into this moment, he's speaking into tension. He's speaking into human experience. He's speaking to his disciples who are trying to figure out what is happening. So here's what he says. John chapter 14, verse 1. Are you with me? Say amen. John chapter 14, verse 1 says, Jesus says to them, let not your hearts be troubled. Catch that. Let not your heart be troubled. It says, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again, and I'll take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, um, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you'd known me, you would have known the Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. We'll pause here. There's a lot of theology and doctrine that's developed out of this like chunk of scripture we're going through. We don't have time for all of it, but we do have time to recognize the big idea of what is happening here, right? Of what is occurring in this moment. Chandler and I were talking about this last week, preparing for messages. It's like as lovers of the word of God, the hardest thing in writing these is deciding what not to say. Because honestly, we could spend a year on these scriptures and still not run out of thoughts. People have given their lives to them. And, and, it, and it's beautiful. And the more you uncover, the more you're like, God is amazing. But we'd only have so much time. So I just want to hit this big thought here. Because what's happening is human experience. Someone say human experience. Oh, come on. Human experience. There we go. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. We're Pentecostal. Is colliding with divine reality. Someone say divine reality. Thank you, Ben. These two things are colliding. Human experience and divine reality. See, the human experience, right? We, we are human beings, right? Unless you snuck a dog in here. I don't know. Um, service animals, welcome. Uh, they were, and we have human experiences, right? One of those is we cannot see the future. The best we can do for the future is just to speculate, right? It's like, yeah, man, you should invest in this thing. It's like, do you, oh, no, it's a sure thing. It's only as sure as you think it is. We can only speculate. We can take past information and inform future choices. And that's reasonable. You can use wisdom to, to understand information and data and make choices, right? Invest in this. Go here. Well, that bridge washes out every, every year. Well, I probably shouldn't drive on it. It's probably washed out, right? Like, but that's not seeing the future. We cannot know what is to come. Some of you are like, great, you're peaking my anxiety. Thank you. So glad I came to church right now. You have no idea what's going to happen in the future. You can get vision and, and, and purpose from the Lord, but there's a sense of what happens right now. You, you won't know. That's, that's a human experience. The other part of the human experience is that we have limited power. There's only so much you can do. 
I was just talking to someone about fasting. I was like, that's what fasting does. It makes you rest. It reminds you that you only have so much power, that you do not need to be the God of every circumstance. You need to rest in the God who is over all things. It teaches us to stop. It teaches us to rest. We have limited power. And also a part of the human experience that they're experiencing right now, and the disciples are experiencing, is that life is finite. That our human life, our life on this earth, is not infinite. It is finite, human life. Like, this body of mine will pass away. I was reading an article about a billionaire who spends just millions of dollars to, to try to prolong his life. It doesn't matter how much money you have, you will die. Unless God comes down with a fiery chariot and just <laughs> brings you up, which would be dope. Let me know if you think that's going to happen. I'll check it out for sure. I'll move some things. I'll move some meetings. I would love to be there for that. <laughs> uh, unless that happens, we will all pass away, which means an element of the human experience is exactly what the disciples are facing. Are you with me? The disciples are facing something that we must all face, which is grief in the face of loss. All of us have to face this, right? We all have to deal with grief at loss, and that's what they are feeling. They're feeling afraid for the future, and they are grieving at the idea of loss, right? There's a separation here. That's what Jesus is speaking to comfort. Because just imagine for a second, they've been following this guy for three years. So where are my dudes at? If you're a dude, look at me here. Just imagine, it's like you and 12 homies, right, are following this dude for th three years. And then at the end, it's just like, hey, bro, listen, like, that's a sick hat. Like, one of the best dressed dudes I know. But just so you know, like, I'm going to leave and you can't follow me anymore. Yeah, you might feel a little hurt, right? <laughs> like, hey, man, hey, man, I've really appreciated you being here, but I'm just, I need to let you know that I'm going somewhere and you can't follow me. Yeah, you'd be like, well, <laughs> kind of left a lot to follow you, right? Just imagine as the pastor of your church, I was like, guys, listen, God's got a great vision. He's moving us forward. I'm going to go there, but, but I don't know. You guys have to wait here. <laughs> you'd be like, that doesn't sound like good leadership at all. <laughs> that seems like the opposite, right? You're like, you should bring us with you to where you're going. And so there's this sense of with the disciples, the very real sense where they would be like overwhelmed, right? You left your job. You left your family, right? Like a lot of our staff has moved here. For almost every single member of our staff has moved here from somewhere else. And if I just showed up and I was like, guys, listen, where God's taking me somewhere, where he's taking me, you can't come. Okay? Good luck. They would be hurt. I don't, I mean, I haven't brought that up to them, right, because I don't plan on doing that, but they would be hurt. And that's what the disciples are going through, and that's what God recognizes, Christ recognizes, and understands. This is so important. Whether you're grieving the loss in a situation, or of a person, or the disappointment, or the discouragement of things not working out, God understands, and he wants to comfort you, and he wants to offer you hope. And John is very gracious, and he makes it plural, so it's hope for us too. It's not just Peter. It's all of us. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Everyone there, verse 1? Let not your hearts be troubled. The word there of me, uh, <clears throat> me, 
Teresetho is the, the word there, is do not let your hearts be overcome. And then the phrasing that he's giving is with turmoil. So it's not just don't be troubled, because that makes it sound like, are you with me? That makes it sound like don't experience troubles. But that's not what God's saying. That would be kind of a mean thing to say. In this world you will face troubles, but also don't be troubled. You're like, well, that seems unfair. <laughs> I'm on the downhill of this Jesus follow thing right off the bat, right? <laughs> but that's not what he's saying. He's saying, do not allow yourself to be intimidated by the situation. Basically, don't be overwhelmed by what you see in the natural. Are you with me? Don't be overwhelmed by what you see in the physical. He's saying, you're going to see things that want to overwhelm your mind in the physical, but he's saying supernaturally, I have a solution for you. And here's what it is. He says in the second half of verse 1, believe in God, believe also in me. What is he saying literally? He's saying, you trust God? He's saying, trust me, because I am the Lord. He says, I am Jesus. I am God. See, Jesus was really, really, and is really, really smart. He knew something. He knew the disciples would be shaken by his death, as any of us would be, right? I know sometimes it's easy to think like anything in the Bible is forever ago and forever away. But just imagine somebody, like let's say take out the context of a Savior, just somebody you knew was taken by the government, right, and was publicly beaten half to death in front of you, and then when they were almost dying, was taken from publicly being beaten half to death by the government and publicly executed in front of everybody in your town. Like that's, that's called trauma, right? Like Jesus is anticipating that his disciples not only will witness trauma, but also like experience it themselves. And so he's recognizing something about the human condition, which is when they are experiencing grief, when they are experiencing sorrow, there's going to be a tendency to give up. There's going to be a tendency to feel abandoned or forgotten. Why? Because they can't see the future. They can just see what they're facing right now. Are you still with me? And so he begins to teach his disciples because he loves them, and he's teaching you because he loves you. He's saying, listen, when the view on earth doesn't match the promise of heaven, he says, trust in God. If you don't key in for anything else, can I just encourage you to grab a hold of this this morning? That when the view on earth does not match the promise of heaven, we need to trust in God. We need to trust in Jesus Christ. He says, don't trust in what you see. Don't be overwhelmed by what you encounter. Don't be overcome by the brokenness of this world. He says, trust in me. He says, don't view your situation through the eyes of, of the power of the world. He says, trust in God. He's encouraging them, right? He says, John 16, in this world you will have troubles, but take heart. Why? For I have overcome the world. This is a promise to his friends and us as friends of Jesus. He says, listen, when it feels like I'm far, trust in me. It's like easy to say, Jesus, I trusted you in the worship night, right? Or easier, right? It's much harder when you feel alone, when you feel like he's far. Has anyone felt like that? Just far from God? I'm not expecting a grand amen for, have you felt far from God? <laughs> I'm not naive. <laughs> but just the recognition in our spirit, right? 
And can I just encourage you, sometimes when it feels like God is so far, He is actually quite near. And thank goodness that our feelings do not affect His faithfulness, but that God is faithful to fulfill everything He's promised. When it feels like the lines don't match up, He says, trust in me. And what you see in the natural is not the fruit of what He's promised in the supernatural. He says, trust in me. Trust in me. And he gives them this reassurance. He gives them reassurance in verse 2. He says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. He gives them this reassurance. He's saying, I'm leaving, but it's not just because I'm tired of Peter's dumb questions. Right? Like, honestly, if that dude asks another question, the net is going to be a little too heavy next time. Take the whole boat down. Right? <laughs> no, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, I'm leaving because I have something to do. Are you with me? Yeah, I'm leaving because I have something good to do. And he says, I go to prepare a place. God is not like a, Jesus is not like God's subcontractor. He's not going to like frame out new rooms. It's not like, well, heaven's got a little stocked up and I got to go make some more rooms because it would be a shame if you got up there and it was all full and then you're just in the lobby for a century. That'd be, that'd be ridiculous. So I got to go up there. I got to frame it out. We're bringing in the property brothers. It's going to be cute. It's like a, it's like a mid-century with like, yeah, like a Dutch concept. You know, that'll be cool. I don't know. We'll see what happens. That's season two. No, he's not a he's not a construction worker. He's not preparing us a physical place. He's preparing the way through the cross and the resurrection. That he's literally preparing our okay, follow me here. This is gonna be a big thought. He's preparing our eternal destiny as beings who are more than just in the natural, but are in the supernatural. He's preparing. And he was going to prepare our eternal destiny as those who are no longer dead in the flesh, but alive in the spirit through the resurrection. He's preparing the place and the way. So he's tearing down the wall of division. If he's doing any work, it's demo day, which is my favorite part of any of those dumb shows. It's just demo day, where they let the couple come in and break everything important with a sledgehammer. Like, they've never swung a sledgehammer a day in their life, and you can tell because they do it one-handed, right? Just demo day. He went to do demo day on Sin and Shame, right? Except he knew what he was doing, and he destroys it, and then he says, I'm coming back, not only in three days for the resurrection, amen, Easter, but in the sending of the Spirit, and most importantly, in the end of days. And he's telling his disciples, like he's telling you, just because you don't see me doing the Father's work doesn't mean I'm not doing it. Just because you don't see the seed breaking into life underground doesn't mean it's not doing it. That germination of the Word of God in your life, it doesn't mean it's not happening just because you're not seeing it. And be careful of the fact that we keep trying to dig it up before it breaks through. And instead, we wait upon the goodness of God for the breakthrough. Because when it breaks through, we celebrate life. But it was still life in the dirt. It was still life in the soil. It was still life when it was planted. It was still life when it was taking roots. Just because we don't see it, and just because it's not putting off this fruit we can harvest right now, doesn't mean it's not life. Doesn't mean it's not good. It just means we need to trust in God that he's working even when we don't see it. Jesus says, I'm, I'm going to do a work. And you know where I'm going. And I love Thomas. Anyone love Thomas? I love Thomas. I feel like he gets a rap, you know, doubting Thomas. It's like, are we not all doubting Thomas? Right? <laughs> 
Like, we love to say, like, I would have believed he rose again. Like, really? But, like, also, like, yesterday you were bad because you didn't believe, you know, right? I'm just saying, like, there's a sense of we're all, I'm, I'm doubting Thomas, all of us. Thomas is like, he says, hey, you know where I'm going. And the verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Bold. Right? Jesus says, you know where I'm going. Thomas says, we have no idea. None of us have any idea what you've been saying this whole time. <laughs> but I love that. Because what's happening here is Thomas is wanting a road map. He thinks Jesus is speaking of the way being a journey. But Jesus isn't speaking of a journey. He's speaking of a relationship. This is what separates Christianity. Christianity, if you're new to Christianity, let me tell you what Jesus is about. It is not about attainment. It is not about enlightenment. It is not about alignment so to be above others in paradise. It is not about uh, the, this journey that you must follow to, to be lifted up above everyone else. Though there is sanctification and glorification and purity and, all of, and holiness and a pursuit of holiness, but the foundation is a relationship with God that has implications for eternity. The foundation. It is not the journey. Hey, show us the journey. Show where to go. Show where to He's saying, no, no, this is a relationship. Thomas says, where is the way? And Jesus says in verse 6, one of the most profound statements, Jesus says to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Thomas is like, give me a map. And Jesus hits him with that door explorer line. Right, anyone's, everyone remember Dora the Explorer? Is that still on? It's like Diego or something now. My kids just missed it. But my favorite part of Dora the Explorer is just like the absolute, just pure chaos of the songs in Dora the Explorer where they just yell out what they are, right? Like, I'm the map, 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 I'm the map! That's the, that's the whole thing. <laughs> That's what Jesus is hitting him with theologically here. He's like, Thomas is like, give us the map. And he's like, I'm the map. I'm the map. I'm the map. Been with you for three years. I'm the map. I'm the map. We've lived every day together. You saw me raise somebody from the dead. I'm the map. I'm the map. You saw me literally feed thousands of people. I'm the map. You've, you've already confessed your faith. I'm the map. Right? <laughs> your Jewish, you know, history has been waiting for the walk, the way, the path. I'm the map. I'm the map. I'm the map. I'm the map. Right? He's like, listen, I gave you a map. I gave you the law, and it has been absolute bananas since I gave it to you. You have not been doing a good job following it, right? And they're like, yeah, that's fair. It has not been great for us, <laughs> right? And he's like, I have come to fulfill that law, to guide you, not to throw it away, to fulfill it. Now, I am. Just like God said, I am. Jesus says, I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. When John starts his gospel, he says, the word was and is life, truth, and the way. Let's look at those three things real quick. The way. He is the way. He is the way to eternal life. He says, there's only one way to the Father, and that's through me. He's saying there's only one way to eternal life. I need to go because I'm making the way for you. I am the way with which you access eternal life, with which you access your eternal destiny in heaven. 
for eternity. And he basically, in one swipe, wipes out pluralism. Everybody who's like, Jesus is one of the ways. He was a great teacher. Not according to Jesus. According to Jesus, he wasn't the great teacher. He wasn't a way. He was and is the way. He was pretty straightforward on that. We can debate things about how long hair should be and what service should be, but he was pretty straightforward. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There are not many ways, right? He's speaking to a culture. There are not many ways. There are not multiple ways. There's one way, Yahweh, one way to God, which is through Jesus Christ, Yeshua. I was uh, in Sedona one time. Anyone ever hiked Sedona? It's so beautiful. And I was hiking, one of the first times I was ever hiking Sedona, and we ran into some tourists. Uh, and I think it was right when I moved here. I think I was taking somebody. I can't remember. And we ran into some tourists, and the tourists asked me, and I learned something that they say, where's the vortex? And my mind went, I'm about to be murdered. Right? <laughs> because I had no idea. Now, I'm from Washington. Our hippies look a little different. They smell a little. They're a little different. You know, they, they crunch in a different snap. You know, like it's just a little, it's a little different, you know. Uh, they're a little soggier. Their dreads are, you know, just full of mud. It's just it's a different vibe. Um, so I'd never heard of a vortex before, but I was concerned. And I was like, what is the vortex? What? It's the vortex. Like, this is a trail. You're... You're in Sedona. <laughs> Are you not happy? Is it not enough for you? <laughs> like, what? Uh, and they're like, no, I got to go to the vortex because vortex are these places that open up and you feel closer to, 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 um, to God or to, to a, uh, I think they said like a spiritual entity. And I was like, oh, okay. And uh, like I'm missional in my spirit. And so you just can't help but be a pastor everywhere. And I was like, oh, good news. You found God. To which I realized when I said it, <laughs> they thought I'm about to be murdered. Because <laughs> right? when you say you found God to a stranger, they're like, oh, this must be the vortex, right? Yeah. What if I was their spirit animal? They didn't know. Like, you didn't know it was going to look like some weird tattooed Jack Black, right? You found out here in Sedona. You didn't know that was your spirit animal. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, no. I was like, no, like, I know God. I tell people this all the time. Uh, I, I know God, and I can introduce you. I know him. I met him. And, like, I can make the introduction for you because he's here. And I can introduce you to the God that will change your life. And you don't need to keep searching. And I, I can tell usually by someone's reaction that they're a little more committed to the searching than the answer. Some of us, we get into that place in searching for God. You might be there today. You might know somebody who's there. You're like, you're so into the searching. I'm kind of searching. I'm searching. Or maybe you're not into searching, but that's still kind of your identity. It's how you kind of put away committing to anything. It's like, well, I'm just searching. And I was like, well, you don't have to search anymore because you found it. It's like, well, I really like the search. It's like, no, but you found it. Because Jesus is the way. And again, I'm not saying that to knock. In fact, I would say the opposite. I, I'm very like pro-searching. I think that is the most important question you can ask in your life. Is there God? And what does that mean for my life or my eternity? I think sometimes, though, that we ask the right questions and we get the wrong answers. And we find a fraction of truth somewhere 
that, that represents a bigger and greater truth that's existed through Christ. And we say, oh, that must be the truth. Like, I go to nature, and I'm like, wow, this is beautiful. It impacts me, so nature must be God. It's like, oh, we were so close. We were so close. Because, like, you weren't wrong, and then just that last second, it was wrong, right? You know, it's like, uh, when people find places of order, and they're like, oh, this is so great. There's order and purpose, and so this must be God. It's like, oh, you were right there, right? You were so close. And I think that's, that's the reality is that they begin to inform because when you go into nature, you see God at work in nature. I mean, I, some people don't like nature. I love nature. You see God at work, and you're like, wow, here's a part of the truth. It's not the whole truth. It should point us to the truth because Jesus is the way and the truth, and so I want to encourage you, if you're asking those questions, I just want to honor you for asking those questions and affirm your searching. But I also want to tell you that there is a way and there is a truth, and it's here, and you did it, and you found it. Praise God. You don't have to go another day, another minute, another moment without knowing the way, the truth, and the life that will change your life. I hope that's good news for you. You don't need to go to another crystal shop. You don't need to go to a shaman. You don't need to go to some Aaron Rodgers darkness retreat. Like, you found it. It's here. God is here right now in this moment, in this place. He is the way to eternal life. There's no other way. You're not going to slide in the side because you had a really spiritual retreat at some center that you found out halfway through, like, I don't know, was actually a cult. And then you had to, like, escape quickly. I don't know what your life has been like, but I'm just telling you, you found it. He's the way. He's paid our debt. He's invited us into a relationship, and he's given us eternal destiny. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the truth. Someone say the truth. He is the supreme revelation of God. John 1.18 says, No one's ever seen God, the only God, who's at the Father's side. He has made him known. It's not very descriptive there, so let me explain. He, Jesus Christ, makes known the revelation of God. He is the supreme revelation of God. We live in a world that's, that lives in the space of what is truth, right? Or my truth. I have people say, well, that's my truth. I'm like, you don't own it. It's <laughs> That's your decision, right? That's your reasoning, but you don't own truth. You can't copyright it. It belongs to one and one being only, and that's God, through the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I say that again, not, not to, not to <laughs> take a kick at you if you've ever said that, but to say I want to I encourage you that there's no peace in that thinking. There's no peace in a relative and subjective truth thinking. You cannot ever find peace in your life if you are the epicenter of truth in your life, right? You will not find peace. But Jesus is the way, the truth, and he's the life. Somebody say the life. Chandler said uh, last week he read John eleven twenty five. How many of you just loved Chandler's message last week? So good. So good. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall live. Jesus invites us. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way for you. You can trust me. You can follow me. I want to read you, apart from uh, a little meditation from, from Thomas Kempis here. And in fact, I'll invite the band up. Are you guys just thankful for the band this morning? My goodness. I know you're supposed to, like, sneak onto stage, but, like, man, just so thankful for you guys for what you do. I, I think the Lord's moving in our worship. Thomas Kempis says this, follow, that he's speaking as Jesus, all right? He says, follow thou me. I am the way and the truth and the life. Without the way, there is no going. 
Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. I am the way which thou must follow, the truth which thou must believe, the life for which thou must hope. I am the inviolable way, the infallible truth, the never-ending life. I am the straightest way, the sovereign truth, life true, life blessed, life uncreated. See, this is Jesus' encouragement. That he brings us hope in two forms. Hope in this life, secured by Christ the Savior, and hope for eternity, secured by Christ our Lord. And I think that's an encouragement for us now that he's speaking. When he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, he's giving an encouragement to his followers. He's saying, listen, there will be times in your life where you are overwhelmed. Anyone ever been there? says there's times in your life where you will look at the world and you will say it does not make sense at all it does not make sense you might even feel in that moment you might feel in that moment discouraged you might feel grieved and you might even feel abandoned by God. Come on, church, we can just be honest. We've had those moments in our life where we have felt discouraged or you have felt grieved or you have felt abandoned by God. Like God's big enough to know. He already knows that thought lived in your mind. You might as well give it to him, right? We have felt those things. And you might be in that place this morning where you're in a season of life where you need God to move and you love Jesus. It's not like you don't love the Lord. You're like, you, I, maybe you might be brand new to him. You're like, I'm just figuring him out. But I, I love him. But you're in the battle, and you're battling because what you see in the physical, what the world sees is overwhelming. It's exhausting. It's frustrating. It's discouraging. But you're in the battle because in those moments, you have a choice. Will I lean on what I see, or will I lean on the God I do not see? Will I lean on the God that I love and that I know? Will I cling to the rock of ages of Jesus Christ? You guys remember the old hymn, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me? Right? Let me hide myself in there. Let me find that space of leaning into you. Psalm 71.3 is a powerful scripture. I want to read it over your life. It says this. It says, Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You've given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Here's what God says when you're facing things in life that in a world it doesn't look like you thought it would look, or you're facing discouragement or difficulty. You're facing just feeling overwhelmed. He says, trust in me. This morning, pre-service prayer, I just, I felt led to pray for those who are weary. So we got everyone together. I was like, hey, are you just feeling tired? Are you feeling weary? It's like, would you lift your hands? And everyone lifted their hands. Is that like a general consensus? Do a lot of us feel tired and weary, right? If you're just in that space, like, let's, let's try this together. If you're in that space, you're like, man, I am tired. <laughs> like, I'm weary. I'm maybe even overwhelmed, but maybe just tired. Would you just lift your hand? You're like, I I'm there. Lift, lift it all the way up. That's okay. And then just look around. It's okay. I know church is like, close your eyes. Don't look at anybody. But like, look, see, you're not an island. Look, you're not an island. Look, you're not an island. Look, every, almost everyone raised their hand. Right? You're not an island. You're not by yourself. This is what Jesus is speaking to. It's like you might feel overwhelmed, but you're not overcome. He says, you can trust in me. You can trust me when you're tired. You can trust me when it's real bad. You can trust me when it's kind of bad. Trust me when it's a little bad. 
Trust me when you're real tired, just a little. T- you can trust me. You can trust me when it kind of makes sense, when it feels like it doesn't make sense at all. When you kind of see, he's like, you can trust me in every season. And just because you don't see me working doesn't mean I'm not working. Just because it hasn't broken through yet doesn't mean it won't break through. Verse 8. Can we finish with some scripture this morning? Is that okay? Okay, let's finish with some scripture this morning. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever's seen me has seen the Father. How could you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I love that. Saying, listen, I know your heart's going to be grieved because what you're going to see is Jesus is no longer physically with us. That's what you're going to see in the physical. He said, but listen, I need to go because it's in my going and it's in the doing that I become not only the way, but the way to even greater things and even a greater breakthrough in this world and life transformation in this world. He's saying, listen, in the physical, it doesn't make sense, but in the supernatural, he's saying, I make sense. You can trust me. You can trust that I'm good. You can trust that I love you. See, we don't have to keep looking for the plan. He is the plan. We don't have to keep looking for the way forward. He is the way. We don't have to keep looking and trying to find our truth and the meaning in the truth. He is the truth. We don't have to fear for the future of our life because he is the life and he gives life to us right now. He says, believe in me and see what I will do. He says, I know you're overwhelmed, but believe in me and see what I will do. In fact, Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now. I just sense even right now there's hearts you want to speak to right now who are feeling overwhelmed. In this place, they're feeling overwhelmed right now. God, you want to speak to them, and you're just saying, would you trust me? Would you trust me? Because I'm bringing a breakthrough. I'm doing a work, and, and you can't see it, but I'm bringing a breakthrough in your life. Holy Spirit, we, just, we invite you to speak right now and to move right now in our lives and our hearts to encourage us Jesus, like you did, your disciples. We're your disciples. Encourage our hearts right now. Just wait on the Lord for a second. I just just sense this need to pause and just wait on the Lord right now. The Lord's been speaking to you. You're feeling overwhelmed. He's just speaking to you right now. He's speaking to your heart, and he's reminding you that he's with you. There's someone today. He's just reminding you, I've not forgotten you, that I'm with you right now. This is not how I plan on closing, but I just feel like the Lord... He's just catching me off right now. He's just saying, right now, I'm with you. I have not forgotten you. You feel neglected. He's given you a vision. You haven't seen it come through. It hasn't been a year. It's been decades. And he's saying, I've not forgotten you. Would you stand with me this morning? Just stand. Let's, let's take that posture just in our heart. Maybe you need to close your eyes, whatever it is right now. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, you see your people. Got a whole room of people raised their hand and said they're weary and tired. 
Holy Spirit, you're here right now. You're here right now. You're here right now. I'm gonna, I will pray for that before we close. We're going to pray for renewal in the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes we feel tired and we feel like that's too small to bring to God. But God does not feel that way at all. He does not feel that way about your life. He wants to renew you today here in this place. But this morning, I, I sense just in this space and in this moment that there's some of you here who in your life and in your situation are feeling overwhelmed or struggling. Maybe what you're facing in the natural, you're like, I just, I don't see what God's going to do. But whew, taking the step, I'm going to say, I trust you, God. Right? Some of you are right there. Maybe, maybe it was a relationship. Maybe it's a relationship status, and you're like, I, I don't see what's going on. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's in health. You're like, God, I, I don't know. I'm overwhelmed, but I'm going to trust you. Maybe it's in your mind. Whatever it is, you're like, I don't know, God, but, but I'm going to trust you. Here's what I'm going to do a little different today. We're just going to turn this whole room into the altar this morning. This whole room is the altar because it's full of the body of Christ. This tile's not more holy. I think some mornings it's so important that we step out and come forward. But this morning I just feel like there's something special about you knowing that God has come to meet you exactly where you are right now. So if you're here and you're saying, I'm just, I'm in that place, whatever it is, I, I'm just, I'm feeling overwhelmed. And I, and I want to just say, God, I trust you. Even if I don't see it, I'm going to trust in you. Here's what I want to do. I, we want to pray for you. And in fact, I want to empower the body of believers to pray together. But if that's you, if you're there, would you just lift your hand? God, I'm feeling overwhelmed or overcome. I need you to move in my life. Maybe there's some area you need God to move. Would you just lift your hand? Lift it up all the way up. That's you. Okay, if you're near one of these people, if you're near one of these people, here's all I want you to, I just want you to come around them. See them. You got to go full arm because we can't see you if you don't go full arm lift. You got to go full arm as much as you can. And just come around these people. Pastor Barry over here. Perfect. And I just want you, if you feel comfortable sharing with someone near you what it is, would you share with them? Church, I, I just empower you as ministers of the Word of God. You are full of the Holy Spirit. You are anointed by Him. You have the authority that comes from Him. And so I release you into this moment to be praying. If you're not near somebody, you're a part of this family. Maybe it's your first time. You're still part of this moment. Would you just join me in praying over this space? And let's begin to pray. God, we pray breakthrough right now in the name of Jesus, whatever it is. God, I, I pray finances right now. I pray for the finances in this room where there is a sense of being overwhelmed and overcome. God, I pray breakthrough by the power of the Holy Spirit. I just speak to your finances right now. Breakthrough in the name of Jesus. God, I pray right now over relationships. God, I pray for that relationship that is, feel like it has been torn. Right now, we pray amending in the name of Jesus. We say, even though we cannot see it in the physical right now, I declare it in the spiritual, that there's work under the ground being done. There's seeds that have been planted that are finally in the conditions where they're breaking forth into life. God, we pray for health right now in the name of Jesus. We pray health miracles. If you're one of those people, you're near somebody who's praying a health miracle. Would you just join me? Let's intercede right now. We speak health. We speak to the body. We speak to the cells. We speak to the mind. We pray complete and total health in the name of Jesus. And God, we say we trust you to move in your authority and your way. We speak to the mind that is overwhelmed. We speak to the spirit that's overwhelmed. And God, we pray right now. I pray right now a restoration of hope 
upon every mind. We say we trust in you. We declare breakthrough and movement in the name of Jesus right now. Right now. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.